It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. You're listening to Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and I am very, extremely, quite excited to be back with you for another season. This time around, we even have a theme. I'm going to be talking with people who work in the cannabis industry, as in the folks who help grow and sell legal marijuana, ganja, pot, whatever you like to call it. There are basically two reasons why I wanted to do this series. First, every time I've been to a wedding recently, I have found myself having a really fun conversation with somebody in the cannabis business about their job. Uh, What that says about me or my friends, I do not know. But I figured that if it could keep me entertained over drinks, it could keep y'all entertained on your commute. Second, and probably more importantly, marijuana is at a really historically interesting inflection point in this country. Whatever you think about legalization, whether you're for it or against it, it's spreading, and it's just not that often that you get to see a whole industry transition out of the black market. You can now be a marijuana farmer, or a marijuana sales associate, or a marijuana lawyer, and you can tell your whole family about it at Thanksgiving with, well, probably not getting too many weird looks. You might get some weird looks. Depends who your family is. But anyway, I wanted to talk with people about what those jobs were like before the really big money swoops in and everything just goes totally corporate, because honestly, that's already starting to happen. Finally, I should mention that all of the interviews that we've scheduled so far for this season are with folks who work in Colorado, which was the first state to fully legalize recreational use. For this episode, I'm talking with Lazarus White, who is an assistant manager at Terrapin Care Station in Boulder, about what it's like to run a dispensary day to day. Then for Slate Plus listeners, I have a second interview with Brittany Patel, who does the same job for the Green Dragon Dispensary in Thornton, Colorado. We'll have a little preview of her segment at the end of the main episode, but I think both are interesting and just offer, you know, different perspectives on working on the front lines of the industry. I hope you enjoy. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Lazarus White, and I'm the assistant store manager of Terrapin Care Station's location on Manhattan Circle. And Terrapin Care Station is a dispensary. Yes, yes. Uh, This location in particular is a dual-use medical and recreational dispensary. All right. So is that typical these days, or are more dispensaries just medical or just, you know, just recreational? There's definitely a lot more recreational dispensaries out there. Once adult use got legalized a few years back, there was less of a need for medical cannabis as there was before when... The only way that you could legally get cannabis was by having a medical card. And there's fewer and fewer places just staying strictly medical these days. So dual use is starting to become a bit more popular. We have one of the more unique locations where we share an open space with medical and recreational, whereas typically they're in separate areas. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, normally, uh, medical patients would like to have, a lot of times they like to have a little bit of privacy talking about their medical issues and the ailments that they have that are causing them to buy medical cannabis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gives them a safe space to discuss their issues. So we have a consultation room off of our lobby where we can take medical patients aside and have a conversation with them just about their specific needs. So I want to talk more about this medical recreational distinction with you in a bit. But before we get deeper into that, 
Can you just tell me how long you've been doing this for? Like, when did you get into the business? So I got into the business in September of 2017. So you're new. I'm new. Definitely (laughs) new to the industry. I initially was searching for craft beer jobs. And in a state with so much craft beer, it was impressively hard to find a job uh, that would give me full-time hours and fair pay. Uh, So I quickly figured out that the cannabis industry would be a much more suitable fit for me at the time. There's a lot of opportunity out here to get into the cannabis industry, and I knew I was going to have to start out entry level just to get my foot in the door. Were you trying to get like a job at like a brewery kind of thing, or was that that, that was what you, you had in mind? Yeah, so I initially was looking to get into brewing. Okay. Uh, I was offered a couple positions uh, just working on a production line, and didn't feel right for me. Okay. I had come from staff management uh, in my prior position, and I really enjoy working with people. So the more that I looked into the production side of the beer industry, the less interested I became. So I then turned to uh, finding bud tending jobs. Cool. So and and bud tending is that that means what Uh, being a bud tender? That's the bartender of the cannabis industry. It's the liquor store clerk of the cannabis industry. We are here to provide you with, you know, first and foremost, excellent customer service, but then to make sure that you're getting what you need and what you want from the cannabis industry. And so that's sort of like the the way people get their foot in the door. Yes. Typically, uh, people will start out trimming, packaging, or bud tending in the cannabis industry. Everybody moving out to Colorado to get into the cannabis industry Everybody wants to be a big grower. Everybody wants to run around in the greenhouse and and work with the plants, but those are very, very hard to get jobs. They're very coveted jobs. So typically, people will start out as a harvester, cutting down plants, curing the plants, uh, or just trimming buds. But I decided with my background, uh, with management and in customer service, that I think bud tending would be a great fit for me. And so you started off doing that, and now you're managing. Yes. Do you actually, you know, are you still dealing with customers or are you just kind of overseeing stuff these days? I still deal with customers quite a bit. I oversee things on the back end, make sure the staff has everything that they need, uh, that the store is doing well and has everything that it needs. But I still make a point to get out on the sales floor and deal directly with recreational customers as well as medical patients that I've developed a pretty strong relationship with over the past year. Had you ever done any kind of retail job before this? Or uh, Yeah, I had done some, not necessarily retail. I had worked at and managed a deli in college that was very high volume. So I got to work on my customer service experience there and then uh, moved up to Burlington, Vermont, where I worked for uh, Shelburne Vineyard for a while, working behind the bar. So I provided people with wine tastings, helped them find what kind of bottles of wine they might like to buy. So in that sense, it was a retail job, and then moved up to the tasting room and wine club manager there. And if you can explain wine to people, you can explain weed to people. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's very, very similar. So what is your typical day like? Where, is, uh, where do you start? What's, what's first thing in the morning? Well, first thing in the morning, I've uh, got to make sure that all of our product is out on the floor, on the sales floor, ready to get sold. Canvas industry is extremely regulated, so we have to keep all of the product that we sell locked up in safes every day. So at the end of the day, it gets locked up in a safe. First thing in the morning, I come in here, clock in, and start moving everything out of the safes onto the sales floor. And where do you go from there? So from there, I'll move on to making sure that we have what we need to stay within 
compliance and stay compliant with the state of Colorado and the city of Boulder. There, like I said, are a lot of regulations all around the cannabis industry and a lot of stickers everywhere in the cannabis industry. (laughs) So it seems like a tiny thing, but every single item that we sell that goes out of the store needs to have a sticker with our date, the date that it was sold on, as well as our license number and uh, our logo. Okay. So seems like a little thing, but every day, if we don't have those stickers ready to go, we're not opening the store. So we... I start my day every day printing out a lot of stickers. How, just like you, to have like in a stack by the register, essentially? Yes, yeah, exactly. How, have there ever been a like a sticker emergency? Has there ever been a time? There has been a sticker emergency. (laughs) We had a day I came in a few months ago while we were um, doing construction on our old store, converting Mm -hmm. it into the new space that we have now. And the printer was, was not operational. It was a weekend day. Our IT department wasn't around. So I had to very quickly come up with a solution as to where the hell are these stickers going to come from. I had to manually create a brand new sticker layout using a totally different printer that we use for totally different things and just kind of roll with the punches. But you eventually managed to solve the crisis. Yes. Yeah. By 9 a.m. when we had to open the doors, we had some form of stickers available. So so it's a lot of minutia just to make sure that you don't accidentally break the law. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of very small, you know, seemingly unimportant things that we need to take very seriously to make sure that we are following the rules and regulations. What else besides stickers? Recreational customers and medical patients all have limits on how much they can buy per day. Recreational side, everybody's allowed to buy one ounce per day. So we have to make sure that they are not going to walk out of that store with more than an ounce. Uh, They can buy eight grams of concentrates, eight 100 milligram edibles, or any combination of the two. So we need to be very, very careful to make sure that they're not going to leave our facility with more than they're allowed. Do you guys have like some sort of like point of sale software that tells you, oh, this person's over the limit? Or is it just you actually have to watch what you just have to manually kind of watch it? We manually watch how much people are buying. So you always have to be eyeing that and making yes. sure that you're not accidentally selling somebody too much at a time. Yes. Are there like spot checks for that? Or like, the, do they ever send like, you know, do the authorities ever send people to try to buy too much and see what happens or... The authorities more make sure that we're not accepting fake IDs. That is one thing they do send by, but they don't... I haven't experienced anybody coming by to try to buy over their limit sent by either the Boulder Police Department or the Marijuana Enforcement Division. So it's like a bar where they'll send someone to try and do a sting. Exactly. Huh. So you have to watch that someone doesn't go over their limit. You have to watch everything's got a sticker, that everything's out at the end of the day. Are there other things that you need to do to avoid, like, you know, accidentally costing the store a license? Yeah, we have to make sure that recreational customers and medical patients aren't coming in more than once a day. Even if they don't exceed their limit, there's a law set in place saying that you can make one transaction per day at each facility. So we scan in IDs and we have a program that makes sure that they've only come in one time that day. Do people try to do that sometimes? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. And they they know better or is it they do by now. Uh, there was a few months ago, there was a big sting operation going on with some dispensaries around Boulder that were reported selling people over their limits and allowing them to come back multiple times a day. Um, they had, this specific dispensary had sold uh, a pound of cannabis to an undercover 
officer in one day, allowing them to come in 16 times. So they were pretty good and fucked. Yes, absolutely <laughs> fucked. It's, that's not good. No, it's not. And it makes everybody in the cannabis industry look bad when you have dispensaries selling over their limits, breaking the laws, trying to make extra money. As much as I would love to see everybody come here and shop at Terrapin, I want this whole industry to do well. I want the rest of the country to be able to see that you are able to succeed in this industry and still follow the laws. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com working. Rules and restrictions may apply. I, I want to come back to the medical recreational thing now. So how would you describe the typical Terrapin customer? Is it like someone who really knows their weed? Is it a medical patient these days? Or is it a, you know, a random tourist kind of making their way in? It's really hard to describe the typical Terrapin customer or patient. Uh, we have such a huge variety of range of people that come and walk through our doors. Can Medical, you pick out a tourist if they show up walking through your doors? Yes. There's usually a lot of excitement in their eyes. Um, might be the first time they've ever legally bought cannabis and seen such a huge selection of products. So it's typically the excitement that is the dead giveaway. So someone's giddy. It's like, yes. oh, that's a newbie. Do you yeah. like, if that person walks through, are you like that they're going to need a lot more help figuring out what to buy? Or Typically, <laughs> typically, if you can sense that they're a tourist, if you see by their ID that they're from out of state, and yeah, they might need a little bit extra help and a little bit extra time to help them figure out what they want, especially compared to the medical patients. A lot of the medical patients come in. They've been doing this for years. We've been open since 2009. So there's a lot of people that have been shopping here for you know, almost 10 years. And they know exactly what they want. And so you, with them, what, 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 is, what are you doing for a medical patient when they show up? Like, how, what's your interaction with them like? It's a lot more intimate, typically, than on the recreational side. Before we opened up our dual license facility, we were a very, very small store with three registers. And even still, uh, you know, we can take up to 20 minutes to be talking with this patient. 
Interesting. Even though that they might be someone who's been buying it for years. So what are you talking to them about usually? A lot of times we just talk about life. You know, I ask them about their day and how they've been. Uh, I've been able to build pretty good relationships with a lot of these people. So, you know, I take a genuine interest on how they're doing, especially if I if they fill me in on their their medical issues that they're going through. It's nice to be able to check in and see how they've been doing. And if they've seen any improvement, I'll ask them about the last product that I sold them and how that worked for them. If there's something that's not working for them for their medical regimen. One thing that we unfortunately cannot do is make any sort of claims about what this product is going to do for them. Everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently to cannabis. I can't tell a medical patient that, hey, this is going to completely knock you out. You're not going to have any back pain and you're going to sleep like a baby. So we have to be very, very careful in our verbiage to say, this knocked out my back pain and I was sleeping like a baby last night. So you talk to them for maybe 20 minutes at a time, just, you know, about life, about the product, about, you know, their pain. Do you have a similar relationship with recreational customers? Some recreational customers. We definitely have our regulars that come in and, you know, we have some good back and forth and some banter, but typically the relationship that gets built with a medical patient is a little bit more, more intimate. So... Which do you prefer dealing with, the recreational or the medical? Which do you enjoy more? That's a tough question. I think I enjoy the medical side a little bit more. I enjoy talking with somebody and knowing that even though it seems like I'm just selling somebody weed, this is really going to help that person. So there's a little bit more of a gratifying feeling as they walk out the door and knowing that I might have just really turned around their day. On the flip side, it's really fun dealing with recreational customers, especially the tourists that have never been there before. These people are just trying to get high for the most part. A lot of them are, are coming in for, for medical things and they are, you know, are from out of state and they don't have a medical marijuana license in Colorado. So they'll come in with pain and I can give suggestions about certain things. But for the most part, people are just looking to get high and it's fun to help people get high. <laughs> so what is the weirdest customer interaction you've ever had? There are a lot of really weird customer interactions. What is a weird? Very weird. <laughs> a weird. Uh, well, we had a gentleman come in a little while ago um, that had an expired medical marijuana license. His card had expired a day before, uh, and he was trying to come in and shop. And we had served him, you know, hundreds of times, but that day we had to turn him away because, you know, his his credentials were expired and they were no longer valid. Uh, he quickly told our receptionist out front that he doesn't know when to shut the fuck up and that before we had treated him like royalty and he's not sure why we were treating him so poorly now. Um, so yeah, we had to just kindly ask him to leave and come back with a valid card and not abuse the staff anymore. That's rough. It is definitely rough. Um, I mean, people come in with a lot of especially on the medical side, serious, serious medical issues that are having a really big negative impact on their life. Yeah, you're dealing with a lot of people who are probably in a kind of a hard place. Right. Yeah. So sometimes those people come in and take it out on us, which is... How do you cope with that? Thick skin. Just got to put a smile on your face if things get too far. Got to ask somebody to leave. But in general, just... Try to keep a smile on your face and, and get these people what they need because they truly do need it. Yeah, you're dealing with people in pain often. Exactly. And you have to take that into account. Mm -hmm. Is there any reason why it would have been hard for that customer to renew his medical card? 
Well, money can be an issue. It ranges between $70 to $150 to get a medical marijuana card in Colorado. And if these people are on disability, that might you know take away from their ability to eat that month. It's always tough as well to suggest that they switch over to recreational. In the medical marijuana community, especially with the medical patients, there's a big stigma against recreational cannabis. Uh, one, they think that all the quality is much lower, which you know, from personal experience, I know is not necessarily true. There's a lot of amazing recreational products out there. And the taxes, the tax rate on medical marijuana in Boulder is right around eight and a half percent, whereas the recreational tax is almost 25%. So when they have to go shop and they buy something that's normally, you know, $75 and it comes out to 85 or $90, they're not typically too happy to have to do that. And you're talking about somebody who maybe buying a lot of marijuana to deal with a a medical condition. So that price difference matters, I imagine. Exactly. And access to the amount of medicine that they need is very limited on the recreational side. Uh, Like I said earlier, on the recreational side, eight 100 milligram edibles counts as one ounce, and that's all you can buy for the day. On the medical side, every edible, regardless of how strong it is, counts as one gram towards your 56 gram limit. So you can buy two ounces. So if somebody comes in and their normal purchase is buying 56 containers of 200 milligram edibles, and we can't sell to them because they don't have a valid card anymore, they can buy eight 100 milligram edibles on the recreational side. And if they really need that medicine, that's not going to cut it for them. So that explains why medical is still so such a thing in Colorado, why it hasn't faded away, because it's two very different systems for, for the customer. Exactly. And if you are in a significant amount of pain or you have a very serious medical issue that requires large amounts of THC, you're really, really limited on the recreational side due to the 100 milligram cap they have on edibles and tinctures. So if you're like a cancer that. patient, for instance, that's just not going to cut it. Right. Yeah. On the medical side, I don't believe there's a limit on how heavily infused a product can be. We have chocolate bars that are 500 milligrams uh, compared to a 100 milligram limit on the recreational side. So if you need that 500 milligrams, it's really tough to go over to the recreational side, buy five 100 milligram edibles and pay a lot more in tax. Do you ever get worried that one of your customers might be overdoing it? That either consuming too much or smoking too much? No, not really. I think if I was in the pharmaceutical industry... That would be more of a concern for me. But knowing that you know, nobody's died from an overdose on cannabis, I'm, I'm okay with selling people large amounts of cannabis, knowing that they're going to consume all of it, especially on the medical side. You know, a lot of these people, they don't care about getting high. They care about feeling good, um, not feeling sick, not being in pain. So however much cannabis they need to consume... I'm curious what other kind of customer complaints you get in the course of a day. That's sort of like the soul of retail, you know, yeah, getting, absolutely. getting chewed out. By, absolutely. So w- what comes up? On the medical side, change is a big issue. Because we've been open since 2009, we have a really, really loyal medical patient base. And when we switched over to a dual-use facility, we changed a lot of things having to do with our medical side. One of those things being our flower to keep consistency throughout the company, we have switched from weighing our buds out of glass jars into containers for the patients. Uh, we get all of our flour prepackaged in uh, 
sixteenths, eighths, and, and half ounces. That change was really tough for a lot of people to take. They wanted to see the exact buds that they were going to be getting weighed out. They might be able to say, oh, can you just, can you pick me that huge one over there? Uh, whereas now they have a little bit less of a choice. So any kind of change is tough for those people. Why does that matter so much to customers? Is there a reason why the, the if they're getting the same weight, no matter what, why does it matter if they have the the big pretty bud? It's a lot to do with appearance. We're really spoiled here in Colorado. <laughs> we have you know, one of the most incredible cannabis industries in the country. And we've had it for a good while. People are very spoiled out here when it comes to cannabis. So people want the absolute biggest, prettiest nugs that they can find. That's aesthetics count. Aesthetics count. Absolutely. What else comes up? Surprisingly, pricing. When I came over to Colorado from the East Coast and saw how little people were paying for cannabis here, I was in awe. We were running specials for $89 before tax for an ounce. Right now, we're doing $69 before tax for an ounce. That was absolutely insane to me. But somehow, we still had people coming in saying, oh, I can find this product cheaper elsewhere. Can you match that price for me? Wait, people try to haggle? People try to haggle like crazy. I've never worked in an industry before where people will walk in the door and expect that you'll be able to throw them some discounts. What, why do they think that? I wouldn't walk into a liquor store and start haggling over the whiskey. Like, <laughs> I'm really not sure. Um, I think in the early days of the cannabis industry, people were much more willing to give out discounts and you know give people a friendly hookup from time to time, give them you know 10% off or maybe offer them a different strain that's not on an ounce special at that special price, but it's it's truly incredible. But times change. What, but times change. And it's really it's incredible what people expect when they walk through the door of a dispensary. You, you've gone corporate, man. That's right. <laughs> There's no love anymore, man. Have you have you ever heard that that those words uttered specifically? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no love anymore. Yep. No compassion. You don't have any compassion for us anymore. Uh-huh. Um I imagine that, that that actually has to be hard to hear from a medical patient, though. It is. It is. It's really tough. Somebody that you've seen a couple times a week for the past year that you've developed a really great relationship with come out, you know, on the verge of tears because of something that might have just changed. For example, having weed in a jar that's all ready to go instead of people weighing out buds. Any kind of change like that can really, really impact somebody's day. And it's really hard to hear them come by and and vent their frustrations. That's really amazing to me that those little things, I guess if it's part of your routine and you're sick though, that's gotta be, it matters. Exactly. And if it's something you enjoy, like you, if it's part of your ritual, like you say, okay, we're weighing out my medicine now and I get to pick and this is something I have control over. Exactly. I guess I'm just thinking through why someone might find that really important. Would you, I mean, are recreational customers then generally fairly chill about it all? Is that, or are they also, kind of, do they tend to get a little spoiled? say it depends on where they're from. The Boulder community, we have some amazing cannabis in this town. We are spoiled rotten. Uh, People have very high expectations for the best weed at the lowest price that you can give it to them. Out-of-staters, typically not as picky, especially folks from the Midwest, from the East Coast. They come in, they're very happy with the quality, very happy with the pricing. And then you get somebody from California and they are very, very picky. They have very high expectations for what the cannabis should look like, taste like, smell like, and they also have expectations about the price. So basically us Brooklynites are just happy to be here. 
and someone from LA is just like a total, totally obnoxious about it. Can be. Not everybody from LA. Uh, we had some folks uh, a couple weeks ago come in for a, a purchase after the uh, tour render for Dead & Company, and they uh, were very vocal about their opinions about our cannabis coming from California. Oh, God, is this going to become one of those stupid regional things where like we fight over like In-N-Out Burger and Shake Shack? I I yeah, think we're we're coming up on We're that. already there. Yeah, we're getting there. Great. <laughs> Wait, so before I kind of joked, I said that if you could explain wine to someone, you could explain weed to them. Um, and you kind of nodded and said, yeah, that that's the case. So are they kind of similar jobs? Definitely. Well, one, we're intoxicating people. So selling them weed, they're going to get high. I'm selling them wine, they're going to get drunk. On top of that, strains are very similar to grape varietals. Uh, if you have a certain strain growing in Colorado and you grow that same strain in California, they're going to feel di- the nugs are going to feel different. They're going to smell different. They might taste different. So in that sense, yeah, they're they're very similar. Um, the big difference is, you know, you drink Sauvignon Blanc and you drink Chardonnay. The drunk is going to be the same. You smoke Trainwreck. You smoke Hell's OG. Those highs are going to be very, very different. So you manage people now. I do. What are the challenges of managing bud tenders? One of the big challenges is getting everybody up to speed on regulations. There are so many laws that we need to follow uh, and take into account during every sale. Every day when we walk into the store, we need to remember a lot of things that we can and cannot do. On top of that, they change constantly. Every, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, we get an email about some legal change that we you know, as managers and just anybody working in this industry, we all need to take into account and understand and implement those rules, make sure that everybody is trained up and following those rules so that we don't, you know, risk losing our license. Have you ever had to fire someone? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've had to fire some people. Because they were messing up on the regulatory stuff? Because why? Uh, Some regulatory things, cash handling errors can be an issue. You know, this is a it's a very high volume store and there's it's fast paced. So, you know, you can you can mess up and lose the company a decent amount of money. There's a there's a large amount of turnover in the cannabis industry in general. Why is that? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um worse than normal retail or in my experience, yeah. Yeah, there's uh I think people have certain expectations about the cannabis industry. Like you can show up at work high kind of thing? You can show up at work high. You can get high on your breaks. It's going to be this super chill job that nobody really cares, which is not true. It's an incredibly heavily regulated industry. We need to be on top of our game. As I say, it sounds like the, time. the opposite of chill. It is not very chill at all. It's chill once you get home and <laughs> you can smoke all the weed that you just bought legally at work. But when you're at work, it is, uh, yeah, it's go time. Thank you for calling Terrapin on Folsom. This is Aspen. Uh, hi. Um, I'm trying to get a hold of Lazarus. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me place you on a brief hold. No problem. Oh, my God. Are we recording this music? Thank you for calling Terrapin on Manhattan. This is Lazarus. How can I help you? Hey, Lazarus. It's uh, Jordan from Slate. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So... Uh, when we talked last week, there is one really obvious question I kind of missed, and yeah. I was hoping uh, I, I could ask you right now. Yeah, sure. So, what do you do if you find an employee's getting high on the job? Uh, well, 
pretty straightforward. They usually will get fired. If they're intoxicated on the job at all, it's not something that we really tolerate here. So kind of a one and done. If you're suspected of doing drugs on the job, surprisingly enough, even at a dispensary, we, we do uh, reserve the right to randomly drug test you. And we more than likely assume that you're going to test positive for weed. But if we do catch that you are consuming on the job, um, yeah, pretty much canned. And there is a law in the Code of Regulations for the state of Colorado stating that there is to be no consumption of cannabis or cannabis products on a licensed uh, premises. Does that come up often? I mean, is that something you've, you've, I mean, have you ever like dealt with a employee who's actually like, smoking on a break? Or I've been fortunate enough to have a pretty good staff and they have not been consuming on site, but I've definitely heard good number of stories from other dispensaries of of folks consuming on the job, and they don't usually last too long. One of the reasons I wanted to ask about this is that, you know, you guys are, are partly a medical store. What if an employee is using medically? Yeah, that's a great question. I was actually just talking to one of my coworkers about that. I have never had to encounter that. Legally, as far as the state of Colorado goes, there's to be no consumption on premises. So... I guess it would be a technical gray area where maybe if they were medicating off-site, not on-premises, maybe it might be legal. But as far as our individual policies go, people can't be consuming while on the job. So and so when you say if someone's on-site, that means in the store itself, right? Yes, in the store or right outside of the store. Okay, so they can't go into the parking lot either to like light up a joint. Right. But so that's something that's sort of unresolved. So that's that's fascinating to me. You guys haven't actually encountered it yet. Yeah, well, I personally haven't. Do other dispensaries handle that differently as far as you know? Uh, are you guys stricter or less strict? In general, we're a little bit more strict than a lot of other dispensaries around here. We have a really good relationship with the Boulder Police. They really appreciate all the fake IDs that we catch and, and how strict we are with following compliance. So, you know, I'm not positive what other stores' policies are and how often they have employees getting high on their breaks or consuming on-premises. But at the very least here, yeah, we're a little bit more uptight about that kind of thing than other places. So someone's job would also be in jeopardy if they showed up, like, after waking and baking? Yes, Definitely. All right. Thanks for clarifying that, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye. I clear up those wake and bake questions. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Working. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman. If you liked the episode, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And as always, write to us with any questions or comments at working at slate.com. Again, that's working at slate.com. My producer is the indispensable Jessamyn Molly, and a special thanks to Allie Hergett and Drew Cole, as well as Mike and Christy Sheehan, for letting us crash while on our trip to Colorado. Your hospitality was very much appreciated. Also, thank you to Justin D. Wright for the ad music. And before I let you go, again, I want to give you a little preview of the bonus interview available to Slate Plus listeners. This is Brittany Patel of Green Dragon telling me about what her weirdest customer interaction has been. All right. This was years ago, probably two years ago. One of the other shops that I've worked at, it was medically. And, you know, she was, we have pop top containers, um, the eighth containers. And she would bring them back in. They were plastic, so reuse them. And we weighed out the weed in front of you instead of having it prepackaged like this. So she brings in her can containers to, for me to refill them, and I pop one open, and I look in there, and I'm like, oh, 
there's a roach in here. Like there's a old joint, like it's super old. And I'm like, do you mean just like, like destroy this? But like, I just get rid of, get rid of it. She's like, oh, here, just, and she grabs it out of the container and then eats it. And I'm like, I didn't know, I had never seen anyone do that before in my life. So I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like trying not to make a face because she's older. So I'm like, I like try to like, you know, hide any type of expression because I don't want her to feel embarrassed or weird. But I'm inside like, she just ate that roach. I cannot believe she just ate that right in front of me. She didn't even wait to like turn her back. She just was like popped it like a pill. I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, to her, it was medical, right? Like, it yeah, was a pill. Like, I mean, I guess she didn't want it to go to waste. She I paid good money for that. <laughs> I don't know, man, but that's probably one of the most interesting things that's happened to me was, yeah. was that. Join us next week for more ganja. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.